0: You're listening to Matt Walsh on demand. Welcome, welcome to Matt Walsh on demand. Hope you're having fun uh, digging out of the out of the snow yet again. The 17th snowstorm of the year, if you live here on the in the Northeast. Uh, man, snow. I tell you what, snow precipitation. Am I right? This is, if you live on the East Coast, this is the the number one winter sport that we have is complaining about the weather. It's the one thing we all love to do in the wintertime. We all get together and we complain about, ah, it's snowing again. Snow. We shake our fists at the air and it has very little effect, surprisingly. Well, uh, listen, I announced a couple of days ago that I want to start doing a second podcast each week. Um. And don't worry, I won't overextend myself, all right? I know you're thinking, second podcast, whew, that's a, that sounds really difficult, Matt. So for a second time each week, you'll just talk to yourself into a microphone. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. This, the, this is what I do for you, Do you understand? I, I want to do a second po- podcast that will be, that'll be dedicated to, to nothing but answering emails. Because people email me all the time with topic suggestions or just to ask my opinion about something or to give their opinion. And um, if I was able to take calls on this show right here, I'd be able to take all that feedback live and that would be great, but I can't. So I figure this is the best way to make the um, show interactive. So I'm gonna start doing that next week. So this week, I wanna spend time instead on just one topic that several people have emailed me about in the last few weeks. And they've, they've emailed coming from one side or the other on this. So over the last week or so, the subject of pornography has come up on my Facebook and Twitter a few times. Uh, there was a Russell brand video. Yes. That's a Russell brand video. He's the, the, well, I don't know what he is exactly. I guess he's a a comedian, British comedian, uh, known for being this secular liberal kind of sex crazed guy, but he did a, a video where he rants about the dangers of porn. And it was quite awesome. And I thought very compelling and surprising as well. There was also a study that I tweeted out, um, couple days before that about how porn is causing men to delay marriage longer and longer not much of a surprise there but when when you consider the reason for it it's very disturbing because men are having their desires for intimacy satiated by internet porn so it's not so much that they're delaying marriage they are replacing marriage with internet porn you know the thing that propels us and compels us to get married Is in part our desire to be intimate with another person, not just sexually, but, but to be intimate in, in all ways to have a relationship with another living, breathing human being. But we are having that desire met and fulfilled. um, Although certainly not completely by any means by, by, by porn. It's kind of like if you're very hungry and you drink a lot of soda and you feel full for, for a little bit, but really you're not, and your body is still starving if you keep doing that for long enough and you try to live off soda for long enough you'll starve to death. And then finally, there was a conversation we had on Facebook um, just a few days ago about a show called sex box on we TV. And I know you're going to be surprised by what this show is uh, uh, consists of, but, but yes, it is a show about people having sex in a box. So these are uh, couples, some married, some not who come on to the show. They, they uh, go on stage, they have sex in a box and then they come out and they talk about their experiences with relationship and sex advice experts, including one of which being a, um, a Christian minister, minister, quote unquote, a Christian, quote unquote, minister, quote unquote, one of the sex advice experts there on stage. Now, I watched the promo to this show. I haven't seen the show itself. Don't plan on watching it. But I watched the promo to the show and it, the, 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 the commercial tells us that these are couples who are in crisis and they have nowhere else to turn. They have nowhere else to turn but the sex box. Now, I I know that relationships can be a winding, sometimes unpredictable road, and you never know where where it will lead, but it just seems to me that if you ever find yourself backed into a corner and the only way out is a box that you have sex in on stage on live TV, then I, I think something has gone terribly wrong. I'm just wondering at what point let's say you're you're having marital difficulties um you're having difficulties in the bedroom with your wife at what point do you say do you bring up to your wife and say hey you know I was thinking uh obviously we're we're we're, we're going through a rough spot right now what do you think about having sex in a box on TV you want to give that a shot how do you broach the sex box conversation I don't know it's a, it's a mystery to me I Honey, I think we should see a counselor, but first we should have sex in a box on TV and then talk to them. What do you say? And I I can't imagine the other person saying, "You know, that that seems like an unconventional idea, but I kind of like it. Let's do it." I don't know, Um, but all that aside, you know, this just leads to um, this conversation about porn and some of the emails that I got, and and I think particularly with with the sex box thing, it kind of shows this weird dynamic. Uh, almost seems contradictory where we've become a society very bored by sex, but also obsessed with it. And what I mean is, if you think about it, if you are in a fulfilling relationship with, with a spouse, and it's fulfilling in all ways, including sexually, uh, you don't need porn. And you don't need a show called Sex Box. You, you don't need those things. It's only because we become so incredibly bored and disinterested in natural human sexuality that we've that we've that we now gravitate to all these strange and bizarre things, and it's become this obsession. The analogy that I used on Facebook when we were talking about sex box is you know, you, you, you kind of you, you could in some ways compare it to um, a very healthy person who gets a lot of exercise and eats vegetables and you know has a good diet who maybe sometimes sits down and eats a slice of cake. You compare that person to someone who is morbidly obese, sitting just with an entranced look on their face in the food court at a a mall eating three Cinnabons. You know, you think of the latter person, you might say, well, that person loves food. And you would think, well, that person loves food more than the healthy person having the cake. But really, the opposite is the case. The person eating the Cinnabon has a compulsion has an addiction even. And yeah, they eat a lot of food, but they don't love it. For them, it's a prison. They're a slave to it. They hate it. It's only the person who has a mastery over it, who has some discipline, who puts it in a certain context, who can put it into perspective. That's the person who truly loves, truly loves the food. And and in this case can really enjoy the cake. So here's what here's what I want to say about about porn. And I, I want to start with with this disclaimer. Um You need to understand that I am uh, a coward, okay? I am selfish. I am weak. I'm not holy. I'm not brave. I'm not particularly virtuous. I am small. I am insignificant. So all the things that people say about me, uh, the, the insults that are thrown at me, a lot of them are true. Now, why am I telling you this? Well, because sometimes I have the urge to state the obvious and I just can't help myself, but also because when you take the anti position on this subject, you open yourself up to accusations of being self-righteous and holier than thou. And, and that's, that's true these days. If you make any moral assertion whatsoever, you're going to be called self-righteous and holier than thou, no matter what you say, if it's a moral, I mean, you could come out opposed to arson or grand larceny or drop kicking baby seals And without fail, somebody will label you self-righteous for it. Oh, now you don't think we should kick seals in the face. Look at Mr. Holier-than-thou over there. So no matter what happens, you're going to be labeled that. But with pornography, the tactic is universal. Virtually anyone who sets out to defend porn will include in their argument that anti-porn folks are holier-than-thou. And there's no exception to this rule. In the minds of many people, you simply cannot uh, speak ill of smut without being a pompous Puritan Intoxicated by the scent of your own flatulence So it's, it's a defense mechanism developed by porn apologists And it's incredibly effective I mean, after all, if the person telling you about the evils of porn Is nothing but an obnoxious, um, overbearing, you know, scold Then why should you take their argument seriously? I guess you shouldn't So I am doing my best to diffuse that notion up front. I think porn is a poison festering like leukemia in the bloodstream of American culture. But I am not Mother Teresa or Gandhi. I am not a saint. I am not here to tell you tales of my moral superiority because I don't have a lot of tales to tell in that regard. I'm just here to say the truth. And the truth is, uh, the truth is the truth, no matter who says it. And no matter for what reason they say it. So, before you discount everything I'm saying as just, oh, it's just Matt Walsh being self-righteous again, you have to understand that that you're rationalizing that despite the fact that the only vicious and personal attacks I will be launching in this entire thing are the ones I'm launching against myself right now. I believe you, on the other hand, um, the person listening to this, I don't think you're evil if you look at porn. I think you're succumbing to a compulsion or even an addiction. And I think you want to be free of it, but right now the mountain seems insurmountable. That, that's the irony of this entire issue. See, we're all arguing over something that we agree on, and I, I think that happens a lot. Okay, I don't even know if that's really ironic. I'm not sure if that, if that makes it. Uh, nobody knows what irony means when it comes down to it. Can we all admit that? Nobody's sure what it means for something to be ironic. We, just, we use the term when it feels appropriate. So anyway, when it comes down to it, uh, nobody really likes porn. There is no joy to be found anywhere in the same vicinity as porn. People find pleasure in it, but they don't find happiness. And, and I can state that unequivocally because it's a fact of human nature. Every single person who claims to enjoy porn is lying. Lying to themselves mostly, and then to the world as a means of convincing themselves. So we sit here and we can argue the finer points about why porn is harmful, yet, yet both sides know the truth. Because it lives in the core of our humanity. It's natural law. This is true of many issues. That when it comes down to it, we all know the truth. Because our souls speak to us. Our bodies speak to us. Our minds speak to us. We can try to block them out. We can try to ignore it. But when it comes down to it, we recognize it. Think of it this way. Um, you know, what, what else do you enjoy? I'm talking to porn users here. What, what else do you like to do? Um, do you like to go for jogs, hikes, read books, you know, build bird feeders? What? I'm sure anyone who looks at porn has hobbies and interests outside of that. So compare how you feel after finally closing the laptop, uh, after concluding an evening of porn consumption with how you feel after one of those other activities. Compare your mental state after porn with your mental state after say, you know, a great a conversation with a friend or a stroll through the park on a spring day. I mean, I bet the conversation and the stroll brought you fulfillment and happiness and joy, but not the porn. Do you ever walk away from porn feeling like, oh, I've done something constructive with my time. Do you, I mean, has anyone ever in the history of time derived actual joy? Not pleasure. I'm talking about joy from porn. The answer is no, no. And you know it, I know it, we all know it. Porn is an objectively filthy and degrading experience. And if I argue the topic um, like the truth is some kind of abstract ideal, like this is purely a matter of science or high-level philosophy, then I almost lose the argument before I even made it because, because this is the game, isn't it? I say porn is dirty and wrong, and you say prove it. But to set out to prove it is to give uh, is to give uh, harbor to the notion that the evil of porn isn't innate. You know, as if anyone really needs to be convinced that it isn't particularly healthy to spend years of your existence ingesting a river of deviant filth. Where do you think this sex-positive idiocy comes from? You know, the sex-positive stuff you hear that's very popular in colleges now. People have dedicated their lives and their college professorships to... To, to combating the shame that's naturally attached to promiscuity and pornography, because they want to disassociate these things from their substance. You know, almost, it's like, it's like um, imagine having a trash positive movement to battle the revulsion we all experience when we're in close quarters with a pile of hot, moldy garbage. See, these aversions, the shame attached to porn, the nausea attached to overflowing dumpsters, these aversions are intrinsic, and they're intrinsic for a reason. Our minds and our bodies are telling us, hey, this isn't cool, lay off, or words to that effect. So how can I explain what is intrinsically understood? I guess I can't just say, listen to your heart, can I? Will that fly? Listen to your heart. Your heart is speaking to you. All right, then. Then I guess I'm forced to go through it piece by piece. Um, the the first thing we have to understand is that porn hurts people, and we all know it isn't particularly good or constructive. But porn apologists will try to make it something neutral, at least. Unfortunately, though, no action is neutral. Um, everything that you do is for a good or a, or a negative reason. No action is neutral. Least of all the act of watching or participating in porn. And certainly participation is undoubtedly dangerous. And I'm not just talking about the porn stars who get HIV. There's a story recently about that. Um, HIV, other diseases. There was a story about a woman recently who was forced to have sex, a uh, porn star, forced to have sex with a guy who was bleeding, you know, open cuts, and bruises, and, um, and she got HIV. So you have HIV, other diseases, and it, it turns out that the health and safety standards aren't always up to par in the world of internet prostitution. But studies show that uh, porn prostitutes have, have enormously high rates of STDs and drug addiction, are generally less healthy than even Las Vegas hookers. And these are just the, like, super professional porn stars, okay? We're talking about corporate porn here, big porn. As you know, the average webcam sex fest that you find on Google isn't nearly as clean as the decidedly unclean industry porn. So out in the wilds of cyberspace, you never know what you're looking at. And in fact, you might accidentally be lending your support to sex traffickers, because porn is, after all, purchased sex. So you may not be paying a subscription fee, or maybe you are, but your views are generating revenue for, for the website that you're on, one way or another. So once you wade into the waters of the sex trade, there's no telling where that product came from. And it might bother you that I just referred to these women as products, and it should, there's just no avoiding the fact that pornography drives demand for sex trafficking. And those people that you're watching, I mean, how do you know that they're fully consenting? How do you know that they aren't on drugs? How do you know that they're not children? It's funny. We're, we're so obsessed these days with making sure that we don't consume a single apple or grape or hamburger patty or anything without knowing exactly where it came from, how it was made, what's in it. Yet we have no issue with, with consuming billions of megabytes of porn without really any clue if the participants are sober, or consenting, or even adult. You know, so we say to Walmart, hey Walmart, you better reassure me that these that these are free-range chicken nuggets. I want these to be sourced from, from a local farm within 12 miles of this zip code, okay? But then we say to the porn site, hey porn site, if this is actually child rape I'm witnessing, just don't tell me and it's cool, all right? It's a strange disparity, isn't it? But I guess I shouldn't be droning on about the effects of porn on uh, the people who make it because obviously when you consume porn, you do it solely for yourself. And that's actually the worst thing about it. Porn turns sex into a commodity and then divorces the viewer from the act, which, which allows the viewer to participate passively and anonymously. And so it's passive and anonymous when really it should be active and intimate. We are, we are like faceless onlookers peering. We're like stalkers through the window of a motel Watching while someone else has sex with a woman they bought and paid for. Only it's worse than that, really. Because because at least the peeping Tom is forced to reckon with his behavior. Because he's out in the cold, ducking behind bushes, watching these two use each other. And and from there, he sees the whole act, okay? He sees the whole body, the whole exchange. He doesn't get to dip in and out of dozens of scenes, consuming portions, glances. Then just going along to the next one. He is there as a stranger in the dark and he has to go home and deal with the reality of what he is and what he's become. But the porn viewer feels uh, insulated. What he's doing isn't substantively different, but it's safer and it's more effortless. It's a screen, not a window. She's a porn star, not a prostitute. His His actions are legal, not illegal. Yeah, he's different. That's what he tells himself. He's better. But as we've established, nothing is neutral here. He can rationalize. But the porn will do its damage despite how deluded he makes himself. There have been plenty of studies done about porn's effects on the brain, uh, including one which found that uh, regular exposure literally shrinks your brain. Uh, There's another one that discovered that your porn compulsion manifests itself in the brain like a drug addiction. And... In fact, if you go to the website Your Brain on Porn, it'll tell you all about all the ways that porn messes with you. And these are ways that are, that are calculable and observable and physiological. So you can go and you can do all the research into that. But the problem runs deeper. If you think about it, most kids are exposed to porn before they finish puberty. They, they, they've seen, I mean, just think about this. They've seen every act of depraved perversion. Three years before they qualify for a driver's license. I mean, I mean, really think about it. It's been 15 years since they witnessed their first orgy by the time they finally get married. And now we've got a generation of jaded, weary 20-somethings entering marriage already in desperate need of spicing up a sex life that started many years before they ever had sex. It's not hard to imagine that this might negatively impact our relationships. Um, but... If, if you are having trouble imagining it, I mean, there are plenty of studies, again, showing how porn consumption leads to infidelity and divorce. And even that's not fair because porn consumption is infidelity, so it can't really lead to something that it already is. And I know that the response is, hey, they're just images, it's just for fun, it's not cheating. I've never quite understood how anyone could make that argument um, that porn isn't cheating because they're just images, it's just a screen, it's just for fun. How can you make that argument and then deny that argument to your spouse when she insists that her affair with a coworker was just sex. See, see once you take the reductionist approach to porn and you boil it down to what it materially is calling it just an image as if you're just watching as as, as if you're just watching shapes bump together, like you're just watching Tetris or something. And, And when you do that, you end up doing the same thing to sex itself. Because sex, looked at literally, is uh, just a sensation. It's one body, body part inside of another. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a romp between the sheets. It's a feeling. It's a fun time. Uh, if porn is no big deal, then neither is sex. So, so why get worked up if your wife experienced a temporary physical sensation with another guy? Why get all upset about it? It's just a sensation. It was just for fun. It's not cheating. And what about a man who looks at child porn? I mean, sure, it's wrong because children were exploited. Um, That's the easy, the most important answer. But what if a guy looked at porn where, and and this, of course, I'm sure exists out there, where the actors are 18, but for purposes of the fantasy, they play 12-year-olds in the porn. Now, I think, could be wrong, I think technically it would be legal in that case. And by your porn apologist logic, nobody's hurt. But would you be comfortable having that guy over to babysit? Why? Why not? They're just images. It's just a fantasy. Right, but it says something. That those particular images appeal to that man. Most men who look at child porn do act out on the images eventually. But even if they don't, there's still something dark and terrible going on inside their minds and their hearts. Same can be said for men to look at rape fantasy porn or bestiality porn or sadomasochistic porn or or actually any kind of porn. To one degree or another, the porn you watch is an expression of the turmoil in your soul. And that's why you feel like crap when you're done with it. because Because you were feeding that beast. And now the beast is satiated temporarily, but you're still empty. I really believe that this is a, Uh, I mean this is a crisis in our culture that is rarely discussed And it's not fair really I mean kids are exposed to this stuff so early So early now A study I read uh, said that, that most kids seek out porn for the first time before they turn 10 And what happens? You know they open up Google They type in some innocent search term They're curious You can't blame them They're curious they don't know what they're getting themselves into. And then immediately they're just, they're just accosted by this, this truckload of smut that just pours in through their eyes and into their mind. And you think about what effect that must have. What chance do they really have at that point? Many of them lack stable parental supervision, um, which which renders the situation near hopeless. But even the ones with attentive parents are still going to be damaged. I mean, the moment they first stumble into the filthy bowels of internet porn, they're damaged. And how do parents make 100% sure that that exposure never occurs? They can't. They can try. uh, But no strategy, save for fleeing into the Amazon jungle or something, is bulletproof. And then to compound the problem, society tells them it's all okay, it's harmless, it's fun. All those flimsy rationales that nobody really believes. And eventually these kids grow up into full-fledged adult porn addicts. And it's a tragic tale that plays out millions of times and will play out millions more if we don't start being honest with ourselves and with each other. And this is something that... Look, this is not a conservative Christian thing. This isn't an ideological or religious thing. Doesn't matter if you're conservative, if you're if you're liberal, uh, if you're Christian, atheist, Muslim, Jewish, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what your uh, persuasion is, ideologically or religiously. We should all agree that you know w- w- when you have a situation where where people are spending years of their life just ingesting this filthy, depraved violence disguised as sex and doing so from a young age, starting a, before they even hit puberty, going through their, their formative years, ingesting this stuff, um, nothing good can come of it. We should all be able to agree about that. And because we're human beings, we value sex as well we should. It's a beautiful thing. It's an important thing, obviously. But, and, and because we value it, we should be disgusted with how porn devalues it and, and reduces it reduces it to something just about images and body parts and and, and these people using each other. I mean, you're, you're using the person that you're looking at. They're using you. It's just, we should all be disgusted by that. And we should all be able to look at it and say, well, this isn't making my life any better. I think it was, was it American History X? Um, that scene in American History X where uh, after Ed Norton sees the light and, or I guess he's going through the process of not being a Nazi anymore, and then the uh, the uh, the black uh, I think it was a school principal comes and visits him in the hospital, and uh, something like you know what w- what are you doing that's making your life better? Um, I think this was American History X. Maybe it was Doctor Phil. I don't know. W- one of the two. But what are you doing that's making your life better? And that's a question we should ask ourselves. And 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 we should ask ourselves, about You know, anything that we spend time doing on a daily basis, we should say, is this making our life better? Is our life being improved by this activity? And there are plenty of recreational fun activities where we could say, yeah, you know, that is making my life better. Not if I do it all the time or I do it for seven hours a day, but but it is making my life better. Um, Can you say that about porn? I don't think you can. And maybe that's all that needs to be said about it. Anyway, that's going to do it for me. Um, be careful out there with the uh, with the bad weather. I, I was driving the other day, and I was, uh, you know, it was of course snowing as it's been this entire winter. And I spun out, you know, I was driving onto the road, and I spun out, and um, I could have died, you know, I really could have. But well, really, I was going three miles an hour, so I probably wouldn't have died. But that's how I tell the story, anyway. So be careful, and I will talk to you next week. cruce Salus, Godspeed.